Welcome to the Wisdine Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. Sorry that we missed last week's episode. My family and I were actually in the process of moving across the country, so <laughs> little did I realize how much time that would actually take. thought I could slip a podcast in, and I was dead wrong. Anyway, today I'm recording this from Houston, Texas, and my family will be moving uh, to Central Texas here in the next week and a half or so, and getting established there for the next step and phase of life. So we'll see what that turns into. Anyway, over the last couple weeks we've been doing a series on law versus grace, as this seems to be kind of a popular topic today in the body of Christ, again, at least in America, outside of America, I don't know, I just know in some circles and some streams within the American Christian world, we have this debate, this topic coming up. And it can be confusing based on what side you listen to, or especially if you listen to both sides. Um, definitely confusing. So, so not that I have all the clarity in the world on this topic or subject, but I just thought I wanted to add my voice um, to the few listeners that we have. <laughs> Uh, to hopefully help navigate what really is the conversation about. And so just a quick recap. The first week, what we talked about was the main difference between law versus grace is location. And under the old covenant, the law had all of these standards outside of, of us, pointing, accusing, declaring what we weren't and what we must do to live a godly life. The difference between the Old and the New Covenant is, first of all, Jesus fulfilled all those legal requirements. He broke the power of sin. But then in the new creation, in his resurrection, he he changed everything. He changed the game. Now those standards are put in us. And therefore, when we read the scriptures, it's no longer telling us what to do, it's telling us who we are, because the location has been placed on our hearts, on our minds, therefore, reading of the, the Word of God is activating us in our new identity in Christ. Look, looked at a few scriptures on that, then the second part, we looked at Romans five twenty through 6, 11, just talking about we are dead to the former thing, but we being sin, and we are alive to God, and that that's really good news and that's really important. What I wanted to touch on today is a typical rebuttal to being a new creation or being fully holy, even though I'm still maturing in that holiness. Because I believe in one of the other podcasts we talked about holiness just means set apart and you can't be partially set apart. You're either fully set apart or you're not set apart. In fact, uh, in 1 Corinthians one thirty, it, it actually says... Jesus became our holiness. So holiness isn't a process, it's a person. Now the process we're in is a process of believing that, letting his faith, the trusting in his ability to keep us, and then there's power to actually walk that stuff out. And it's, uh, it's good news, and it's a great, it's just healthy lifestyle to live in the ways of God. But it's not healthy when you're trying, it's healthy when you're trusting that he already did it. And now you recognize the power on your life to take those steps forward. Um, but what I want to talk about is typical, a typical rebuttal. And it comes out of Romans 7. And this is, I'll, I'll just read it to you. 
Um, because what people say is, but hey, Romans 7 is New Testament, it's New Covenant, it's in the Bible, it's real. Which is, those are all true statements, right? But, <laughs> just because it's in the Bible, if you strip it out of context, it might not be true. That's why it's really important not only to read a, ver a verse in the context of its chapter, but also a chapter in the context of the book, but also the book in the context of the whole Bible. That's what's called the whole counsel of God. And when we take one little verse or a few, uh, one little passage and we rubber stamp that as my interpretation of this is correct and we leave out about a hundred other scriptures that bring that whole, that whole passage into a, a more clear perspective, I'm telling you, we can get off in a hurry and yet quote chapter and verse for the scripture. And we're wrong, <laughs> to say it bluntly. Okay, verse, chapter 7 of the book of Romans, verse 17 is where I'll start. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. See, there it is right there. Sin lives in me. See, it's in the Bible. I know that nothing good lives in me. See, there it is. We sing worship songs about it. That is in my sin nature. See, look, I've got a sin nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. See, there's my excuse to sin to my heart's content. And I found it right out of the Bible. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. <laughs> and people say, there it is. Right there, right smack dab in the middle. And so, before I actually get to... Um, what will help bring this thing into context. Let, let's just think about this. So in Romans 6, Paul just said, if we've died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? And then we jump to here, and this should give us like, hey, this is confusing. This doesn't make sense. And here's what you don't want to do. Well, it's a paradox. It's not supposed to make sense. That's not a great idea. And that people do that all the time. Well, we just got to live in balance. We got to live in tension. That's the way this thing works. No, it doesn't. God is not in tension. God is whole. He is, he's not balanced in the sense of he's part love and part law. <laughs> no, he's fully love and he's fully holy and he's fully joyful all at the same time. They all work in concert. And it's not a little bit of this and a little bit of that. He's not a stew that you throw in little parts and then it tastes better. That's a, that's a very mind of man understanding of God. He's God. He's 100% God all the time. Every aspect of his character. And the truth is we are all growing in our understanding of God. So it would be wise of us to not be as dogmatic as we can be on, well, this is what God's like. Well, it's in the Bible. It's like, I could point stuff out to you in the Bible that you would scratch your head and go, well, that can't be true. Like there's a verse in the book of um, Ecclesiastes that says money solves all your problems. <laughs> Let's just start quoting that one. When people are having problems, hey, money will solve your problems. The Bible says it. Because it does say that. 
And next week, maybe I'll give you a chapter and verse. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'll look it up after this podcast. But that's my point, guys, is we've got to realize that that God cannot be minimized to one pet verse to justify our perspective. Okay, so that's point number one. So in Romans 6, he just said, you're dead to sin. Why still live in it? So Romans 7, when he says, sin living in me, it can't be two things existing in tension. Just so you know. And what about Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That seems to be in direct contradiction to for what I do is not the good I want to, no, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. How, that's the same author, folks. Same author of both of those. So how can it be both? How can you do the, the not do the evil, not do the good you want to do, but keep doing the evil you don't want to do, and yet Paul says in chapter 4 of the book of Philippians, I can do everything. Through him who gives me strength. It doesn't make sense. That's not a paradox. That's bad context for this passage to be preached in. How do I know? Because verse 1 of chapter 7 sets the context for the entire verse, for the entire chapter. Excuse me. Verse 1 says this Do you not know, brothers? Here it is. For I am speaking to men who know the law. Chapter 7 of the book of Romans is written to the Jew, not to the Gentile. And most believers in the world today are Gentiles, they're not Jews. Why is Paul writing this? Because in the book of Romans, he's writing to a church that's made up of Jew and Gentile. And the Jew is the, the Jewish people are getting really irritated with the Gentiles because they're not keeping the law. They're, and they're living like wild men and women. That's why Paul wrote chapter 6. He said, hey, remember, <laughs> uh, you're dead to that stuff, both Jew and Gentile. You can't keep living in it. That thing's done. That thing's dead. That thing's been put to death on the cross by Jesus, not by you. He resurrected. You have a new life. You're a slave to righteousness, no longer a slave to sin. He's writing that. And then he takes a break and he says, okay, Jews, remember what it was like to live under the law? Stop trying to put this on your Gentile brothers. How do I know that that's what he's saying? Because read, read. Romans chapter 7, in its, in its fullness, and I'll just read it from, chap, from verse 1 to verse uh, 16, where we had picked up earlier. So do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to men who know the law, that the law has authority over a man only as long as he lives. Now what did he just say in Romans 6? You're dead to sin and you're alive to God. What is Paul saying in Galatians? I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Right? For example, for example, he's giving an example of what it's like to live under the law. By law, a a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, if the law dies, if if your old man dies to sin, she is then released from the law of marriage. So then, if she marries another man, 
while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. That's why if you try to live in two minds, the mind of Christ and the mind of your old man, James says you will be double-minded and unstable in all that you do. So, my brothers, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might belong to another, which is Jesus, to him who raised who was raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit to God. For when we were controlled by the sinful nature, past tense, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, in our bodies, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us to the law, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Now, what's he going into here? He's trying to help the Jews understand. But wait a second. We just gave thousands of years to living the, the law. What are you saying? That it's been unholy the whole time? And he's, he's just going through their arguments and saying, no, no, no. This, the law's not holy. I mean, the law's not sinful. It's holy. It's just powerless to change you. That's why Jesus had to come in his incarnation represent humanity, take sin, become sin himself so that we might become the righteousness of God. Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. So, if you want to keep on sinning, live under the law. <laughs> because it will arouse everything in you. That does not mean that what the law says isn't, doesn't have any basis in our life, but now we must realize that has been put inside of us. It's no longer outside of us. And we cannot live under it, but, but Christ himself, who fulfilled the law and who is the perfect sacrifice, lives in and through us. Therefore, we far surpass what the law ever required because... Jesus himself is giving us his passions, his desires, his mind, his heart to live out his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang up to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Right? The essence, the, what it's, it's not what's written that's unholy. It's the method. It's the external trying to um, us trying to measure up. God never intended us to measure up. He was showing us, you can't do it, you need me to do it. <laughs> Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. But in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through that which was good, so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, soul is a slave to sin. Now he's describing what it's like to live under the law. This is not Paul stating his current condition. This is Paul stating, this is what it was like to be a Pharisee. Don't you remember? Remember in Philippians, he said, he said, as, as far as legalistic righteousness, I was faultless, but I I I abandon all that. I consider it rubbish that I might gain Christ to be found in Him. We know the law is spiritual. Um, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I, 
sorry, <laughs> for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good, as it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. But remember, Paul just said that sinful nature is dead. He says it also in Colossians 2, that the sinful nature has been circumcised away. He also says in Galatians 5.24, that those who belong to Jesus have, past tense, crucified the sinful nature with its desires and its lusts. He is not saying he is still a sinner. He is describing to the Jew what it's like to live under the law. He is reminding them. How do we know? Because keep reading. Verse 21, So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in my members, in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. And people say, well, look, he's saying, what a wretched man I am. He's talking in the third person as if this is what it's like. I'm, oh, what a wretch I am under that condition. But keep reading. Who will rescue me from this body of death? So if that's his current condition, which it's not, but it's a, it's a, he is remembering what it was like. That's why he says, who will rescue me? It's like, my life up until this point of being a Pharisee, who's going to rescue me? And he gives the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. This is chapter 8 for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ, the law of the spirit of life set me free, not will set me free, not one day, not hopefully, not partially, but set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by my sinful nature, God did. What the law couldn't do, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in his servant body, that's Jesus, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. My goodness, this is going to go into part four. I just did one chapter. I have got to figure out how to do this more efficiently. This is... One of my favorite subjects, so maybe that's just not even possible. So I'm not going to try. I'll just go to part four next week. Um, we'll pick up with 1 Corinthians 15, 56. But let me just wrap up. So here's the thing. One of the, the biggest yeah buts to the old man being dead is Romans 7. But we typically read it out of context. It is written to the Jews. Chapter 1 says, I'm writing this to those who know the law. That would be the Jews, not the Gentiles. Most Christians are Gentiles today. Romans 7 isn't, a, isn't an issue that you really understand as the Jews understood. It doesn't mean it can't be beneficial to us because many of us have lived uh, under... Uh, the taskmaster of the law at one point or another in our lives. And it doesn't even mean someone put it on us. Typically, we put it on ourselves because we think we're meriting something from God. But my point is, do not be hoodwinked to believe that what Romans 7 says is supposed to be our condition now as believers. Romans 6 clearly says that's not true. Romans 8 clearly says that's not true. And other scriptures in the New Testament reveal that sin has been dealt with once for all on the cross, and it's no longer something that we live 
uh, in. It doesn't mean you can't sin, but if you do sin, it's because the way you're thinking, what you're believing. And Paul even says, it's in your mind. You are a slave to the law in your mind. But 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, you've been given the mind of Christ. <laughs> so even that, right? And that's why it's about renewing the mind, according to Romans 12. It's, it's realizing, and it's the work of the Holy Spirit. He, he gives us revelation. He reveals God to us. It's John 16. And we begin to re- realize that old man is done. He's not partially done. He's fully done. And I'm a new creation in Christ. And now I'm living by the righteousness of God. And therefore, I live a holy life. I live a pure life. I live a joyful life. I'm not striving and straining to be accepted by God. I know He's accepted me in Christ. And now I act like Jesus in the world. And it's supernatural. It's, it's a new creation. And it's full of power. Okay. I'm going to end today's podcast right there. That may not be a great ending, but we'll pick up next week. Hopefully take another one, two, who knows, maybe three more weeks to finish out this series. So thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes so that iTunes can promote the podcast to other listeners. Take care and have a great day.